Of the many discoveries that have come from learning science, the role of desirable difficulties in improving learning outcomes and retention has some of the most profound implications for learning businesses. I'm Salisa Steele. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Learning businesses care about creating effective learning. Doing so is at the heart of why learning businesses exist. But what happens when effective learning practices clash with what learners want or what they believe is effective? And that clash is precisely why we want to devote this episode to talking about desirable difficulties and the specific difficulty desirable difficulties pose for learning businesses. It's a bit of a tongue twister. That, that was a bit of a tongue twister. I'm surprised I got that out. <laughs> so let's start by explaining what desirable difficulties are. These are challenges or obstacles that can be used during a learning experience to improve the learner's understanding and retention. And it was a term coined by Robert Bork, a prominent cognitive psychologist, and I think he first used the, the term in his 1994 study, memory and metamemory considerations in the training of human beings. That's right. And, and you see him, hear him quoted very often since then in works around learning science. I remember this came up in Make It Stick, for instance, the, this whole idea. And really this, you know, desirable difficulties is a theory of learning in which challenge is seen as integral to true long-term learning versus performance learning, such as cramming for a test and performing well in, in the short term. So the, the fundamental point is that adding challenge to learning activities is going to result in better long-term retention. And it's important to note that while desirable difficulty is more effective, it's also usually slower. So there can be a trade-off, uh, a sacrifice of short-term, quick performance gains in order to achieve more durable, long-term results. And we want to acknowledge here at the beginning of this episode that we owe a lot to Dr. Brian McGowan. In particular, he presented recently at the Learning Business Summit. And one of the things he got us thinking about more was this idea of desirable difficulties and the related issues for learning businesses. Indeed, Dr. McGowan does always get us thinking. And, uh, and this was something that we sort of had in the back of our minds to, to come to eventually, but it brought it to the front of our minds and we realized that it is something that we need to tackle. And so we've got, we've got desirable, we've got difficulties, and, and we'll note that the desirable part of this is actually key. It's not just about difficulties alone. Yeah, no, and this reminds me of, there's a John Chiardi and, and Miller Williams quote where they're talking about poetry, which they describe as being uh, a game. They consider poetry, writing poems to be a, a kind of game. And they talk about games being things made hard for the fun of it. And so I think desirable difficulties are lessons made hard for the effectiveness of it. You know, if a game is too hard, people walk away. If it's too easy, people may also walk away. So it's about that right balance. And I think the same goes with learning. You know, if it's too hard, if there's not enough scaffolding, then a difficulty can demotivate a learner. If it's too easy, then that can also demotivate a learner. I mean, I'm a board game aficionado. You are indeed, yes. <laughs> 
which you are not, Jeff. But, no. you know, even though I love board games, I can't stand to play shoots and ladders. It's just too mindless. It's too easy for me. Yeah, you know, and this gets to the issue of appropriateness. You know, so what's mindless for you uh, as an adult may be pitched just right for a child who's learning how to count spaces as she moves a marker around a board. So there, there's there's that balance there. It's just hard enough for, for her for it to be interesting. Right. So the difficulty has to be desirable. And really what defines what's desirable is going to be specific to the individual to a, a large degree. Definitely. So maybe let's talk a little bit about what desirable difficulties look like. So what, what does this include when we're talking about desirable difficulties? Well, one of the things that Bjork and others uh, point to is interleaving instead of blocking. So interleaving is this idea of you might, you would take related concepts and kind of weave them together. You would practice and talk about them and learn about them all at once rather than blocking where you sort of somewhat artificially pull out a singular concept or idea and really focus on that. In the sports world, there are a lot of examples we could give there. You know, interleaving might be more of a scrimmage approach to basketball, whereas blocking might be, I'm going to go out and shoot 200 free throws. Right, right. Or, you know, stand at bat and, you know, to bat the ball 500 times or work just on your forehand in tennis, you know, that, that sort of thing. So being able to mix it up and, and really do the full range of things that you need to actually be able to, in, in the sports analogy, actually be able to play the game, which, you know, is going to be, is going to feel more frustrating at first. Cause if, let's say you're just starting tennis, if you go out and you're trying to do all parts of tennis, it's tempting to say, you know, no, I'm just going to focus on my forehand right now. And there, I mean, there are times when you need to do that, that's useful. But if you don't, if you don't get all parts working together in, in, in appropriate ways, then you're never really going to master tennis. And the same is, is true of learning. Another concept that speaks to desirable difficulties is this idea of spacing instead of massing. And Jeff, I think you already mentioned this idea of like cramming for a test. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the classic example of massing. That's where you're like, okay, I've got this test tomorrow. I'm going to stay up all night and review these terms over and over and over. Whereas spacing would be the kind of thing of like, okay, maybe you do still have that exam, but maybe, you know, you back up a month or several months beforehand and you periodically review key concepts that you're covering and that are going to be on that exam. So that idea of spacing allows you then to um, practice recall. And that's, of course, one of the key things that's going to lead to longer term learning that idea of retention. You know, is it something that, okay, you're not just cramming it into your head through mass practice for, you know, the next day, but is it something that really kind of becomes part of what you know and understand how to do, which is usually better achieved through spacing and revisiting that concept or that content over time. Yeah. And you want to do this. I mean, even if you're in the context of, you know, a, an hour or two hour traditional course experience, even within that that shorter context, you want to make sure you're coming back to things appropriately and practicing them within it. But then also, you know, once you have done any sort of learning, you know, quote, event, you want to be able to carry that out over time and have ways that you're going to, if you if you attend a conference session, if you attend a workshop, then a week later, two months later, six months later, you want some ways to be able to return to those concepts and, and apply them. And we'll talk about this more in a minute because the bells are probably going off that that's not what often happens with uh, <laughs> the, the typical learning business uh, offering, but it's incredibly important. This is an area that the Dr. Will Tallheimer, who was also at the Learning Business Summit and has been multiple times guest on the podcast, just like Dr. Brian McGowan, where we're referencing our doctors today, 
Uh, Will has done a lot of research in this area and just how important spacing is to effective learning. Another approach that is often part of creating desirable difficulties is an idea of varying the conditions in which a learner is learning versus always having the same constant predictable environment. This often naturally comes out of doing more spaced learning versus mass learning, because when you're spacing it out, often you might then find yourself in different environments as you're reviewing materials. Not always. I mean, so it's important to call this out separately. And just this idea is, you know, it's very different to kind of be in the quiet of a classroom where, Mm -hmm. you know, the focus is 100% on whatever the topic is versus, you know, if you're commuting to or from work and trying to, you know, review concepts and you've got sort of all the ambient noises and you don't maybe have visual cues that might exist in a, in a classroom setting that might help you with the content. So it's this idea of, again, if you can apply ideas and content in many different situations, that makes it more durable. That means it's much more likely that you're going to be able to retain it and call on it when needed. Yeah. And ideally, you know, for the transfer of knowledge, for the transfer of skills, you want to be able to apply what you're learning in conditions that are going to, as much as possible, mirror how you're actually going to apply them on the job or in life or whatever. And those circumstances, you know, always vary. I can think just earlier this week, I was driving back from going skiing and uh, it started absolutely pouring rain, you know, and you're sitting there driving in the rain, clenching the the wheel and just really having to pay a lot of attention. And it's a, it's a whole different deal than, you know, if you're a beginning driver out there in the parking lot making circles. You've got to be able to practice in varying circumstances to to then really be prepared to be the kind of driver you need to be in an unpredictable world. And then another area that can help us tap into desirable difficulties is testing, mm-hmm. assessment rather than presenting. So, you know, just this idea of pre-assessments or giving learners questions or exams can be, you know, more or less formal, but this idea of you're asking them to kind of go to their current repository of information and knowledge and surface what is relevant versus sort of just coming in and being like, I'm going to present the the 10 top things you need to know about X, which can often happen in especially, you know, conference sessions or other forms of learning experiences. Yeah. And there's good research around this, that this is one of the most predictable, effective ways to ensure that learning is going to stick is by testing and particularly by self-testing. You know, if you're, if you're an adult trying to learn something, just testing yourself in one way or another to make sure that you can actually retrieve the knowledge that you want to be part of your learning, that you're actually able to perform the desired skill repeatedly. This gets into the area of effortful retrieval, which is, you know, one of those forms of of desirable difficulty. And a lot of times it's something that we, you know, shy away from in in adult learning experiences. You know, we think that people don't want to be tested. They don't want to test themselves, which, you know, if you ask your average learner, they might tell you that's true, but we just know that testing is, is so important. It does create that type of desirable difficulty. So desirable difficulties can include things like we just went through interleaving instead of blocking, spacing instead of massing, varying conditions instead of constancy and predictability, testing instead of presenting. Let's talk a little bit about the benefits of desirable difficulties. Why leverage some of these approaches that we were just going through? That's right. If we're going to put ourselves through some pain, then uh, (laughs) what's the gain that we're getting from this? And uh, a big one is engagement. When learners are challenged enough to, to stay engaged, 
without becoming, you know, overwhelmed, without the pain threshold being too high that they just, you know, sh shut it out and, and, and don't want to have anything to do with it. But just enough of that challenge that it, it, it really hooks them and they want to solve the problem. They want to get at the knowledge. They want to be able to do whatever the skill is. That's really at the core of creating engagement. And then deep processing is another advantage that can come from desirable difficulties. When we introduce obstacles or challenges, that forces learners to process the information more deeply. This might mean that they have to elaborate on concepts. They have to make connections to prior knowledge that they're bringing to the situation, or maybe they're even doing active problem solving. All of those kinds of deeper processing lead to better comprehension and retention of the material over time. And that would be a third benefit here. So we've got engagement, we've got deep processing, and those are gonna support retention. So, you know, overcoming those obstacles during the learning process creates stronger memory traces. So when learners struggle and then successfully overcome a challenge, they're more likely to remember the solution or information associated with that challenge. And of course that results in better long-term retention. It moves things into long-term memory so that they're there to be accessed again. And then another benefit is transfer of learning. So desirable difficulties can facilitate the transfer of learning to new contexts. We talked about that a little bit earlier when we were speaking of varying conditions. And so when learners encounter varied and challenging situations during the learning process, they're better able to apply their knowledge and skills to different scenarios, which then you know, leads to this idea of they're better able to apply it in the real world. And so then a, a final benefit, and there are more, I'm sure, but these are the some key ones we're highlighting here. But the, the last one we'll highlight is metacognition. So dealing with desirable difficulty encourages learners to develop metacognitive skills, such as self-regulation and problem-solving strategies. So basically, learners become more aware of their own learning process and how to adapt their approach when faced with challenges. And this may be more or less conscious, but essentially they're becoming better learners because of there being a level of desirable difficulty in, in what they're doing. At Tagoras, we're experts in the global business of lifelong learning, and we use our expertise to help clients better understand their markets, connect with new customers, make the right investment decisions, and grow their learning businesses. We achieve these goals through expert market assessment, strategy formulation, and platform selection services. If you're looking for a partner to help your learning business achieve greater reach, revenue, and impact, learn more at tagoras.com services. So we've talked about what desirable difficulties are. We've talked about some of the things that can tap into desirable difficulties. And we've talked about some of the benefits of desirable difficulties. But there's kind of a, a sticky wicket, which we alluded to at the beginning. The old sticky wicket, yes. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what sticky wicket means, but I, but I know it's appropriate here. <laughs> I think it might have to do with cricket. I, we should, I should have looked it up. Maybe some uh, ambitious listener will, will find that out and, and comment or, or email in to, to let us know. But uh, we know the sticky wicket means it's sort of it's a difficulty for learning businesses because, you know, the truth is learners often don't like things that introduce desirable difficulties. Yeah, I mean, again, I think we've already touched on this some, but it's just this fact that 
often adult learners would rather kick back and listen to a presentation versus rolling up their sleeves and, you know, taking a pretest or engaging in a role play. You know, you, you'll sometimes get a lot of pushback on that. They just want to kind of come and show up in the room, particularly if maybe it's more of a checkbox learning experience where it's something they have to do. They, you know, need it for a continuing education requirement or something like that, then you might find more resistance in those situations. And then to make matters even worse, to make it a, an even stickier wicket, is that uh, you know, learners are very poor judges of what actually makes for good learning. And they, they don't tend to believe in the effectiveness of what's effective. So if you ask them, you know, is having this desirable difficulty a good thing? Is this creating a, a good learning experience for me? Am I learning because of this? The answer is usually going to be no, like that they didn't enjoy the experience. So, you know, your evaluations, your smile sheets get get bad ratings for that particular learning experience. Yeah. And in the session that he did for the Learning Business Summit, Brian shared study after study after study where learners are asked how they learn best. And, you know, maybe they'll say that I'm going to learn best by um, massing, you know, by having that kind of blocked approach to practice. But then they're shown that interleaving actually, you know, works better when they actually have to try the interleaving approach. It produces better results. So yes, people, not only do they not potentially like desirable difficulty, but they don't even believe that it's going to be effective, even when they're presented with evidence saying it's effective, it's more effective. Yeah. Human beings are interesting creatures, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) And of course, the rub for learning businesses and all of this is that we have to essentially deal with opposing goals here. You know, we have to convince learners to buy our courses or subscriptions or attend our conferences and convenience and ease are valued by those consumers. So we've got that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, ease and convenience and comfortability and clarity, those aren't always the best ways to deliver effective learning, which is also at the core of what we do as learning businesses. So now we get to the essential question, what to do about this? This is where we uh, we end, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're, 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 we're flummoxed. We have no idea. Um, we do we do have some ideas. So, you know, one for example is using some good marketing around this, an educational campaign to show learners how to learn about what's effective, to educate them on why we employ difficult strategies at at times. This is something that probably needs to go hand in hand with educating your facilitators, your instructors, your subject matter experts who also often aren't aware of desirable difficulty and how essential it is. And I mean, personally, I think, yeah, you can educate people about this. You can give them the logic behind it. But I think there can also be a sort of you know, pride behind something like desirable difficulty. I think of the old army ads. Maybe they still run them. I don't know. It's the whole be all you can be sort of thing. Or we do more before nine o'clock in the morning than most people do all day. I hope that's the army. It might be one of the other <laughs> one of the other branches if I'm misspeaking. But you get the idea. Like you take some pride in, in that challenge and in overcoming that challenge, meeting that challenge and really accomplishing something. And uh You know, I can see educational campaigns that sort of bring that vibe to them, but then also educate people on just what it means to be a good learner, how learning happens effectively. I know, for example, the uh, National Rural Electric Cooperative Association did something like this a a number of years ago, and and it did have benefits. Like people did tune in and, uh, you know, started to have a better idea of what it meant to, to be an effective learner, what that actually involves. 
So yes, I think part of the answer might be making sure that you are helping to send the message to learners that we want to deliver effective learning and we have spent time paying attention to what yields effective learning and part of that is desirable difficulties and so that then they understand why you're doing it. You mentioned uh, subject matter experts and facilitators and instructors. They also need to get the importance of it and I think they may need support from the learning business in a couple of ways. One is, is around that idea of pitching the difficulty at the right level, right? I mean, I think often, especially if it's a facilitator or trainer who's kind of new to this idea and maybe has done more of the presentation in the past, they might need help. And what does scaffolding look like? What does it look like to provide the appropriate level of difficulty that doesn't leave learners just kind of floundering and you know feeling like it's not beneficial? And so there can be support in that way. I think the other place where they may need some support is you as a learning business saying, look, we really want to evaluate you around the success of the learners. And we don't really care what the smile sheets say, you know, about like how that people didn't like the role play or whatever that. So I think there can be some messaging there with that internal or external group of facilitators and instructors. Yeah. And I think it's an even more challenging situation for learning businesses and and your average SME or facilitator that's working for them. And oftentimes you're dealing with an audience of people who are coming from very different, you know, Hmm. backgrounds, very different levels of learning. So what's a desirable difficulty for one may not be a desirable difficulty for the other. So, you know, it starts with understanding what desirable difficulty is, why it's important, but then, you know, coming up with some strategies to modulate it across a a diverse group of learners. That's a good point. I was actually at a a conference this past week where one of the things that came up in more than one session was this idea of choice. Mm -hmm. And I think that a big part of that is it can speak to the different levels of prior knowledge that students and learners are bringing to whatever the situation is. Yep. Now, another potential approach to kind of dealing with this sticky wicket of the difficulty of desirable difficulties for learning businesses is maybe you take a little bit more of a pick and choose approach. And so maybe for some of your more informational or basic offerings, maybe you don't need to introduce any or a lot of desirable difficulty and maybe you focus the use of desirable difficulty in more of your, I don't know, transformational, I'll use that for kind of the lack of a better word, but more of your advanced and some of your kind of deeper dive type learning experiences that you offer. And I think it probably is a hallmark of those experiences. I mean, we've made the distinction in the past between inform, perform, and transform and learning experiences. And um, that inform, perform distinction is coming, I believe, from Ruth Colvin-Clark. She and Richard Mayer, I think, talk about that in, in some of their work. But, you know, something that is purely informational, I mean, that can be about presentation. It's where your average webinar falls. And that can be fine. You know, you may not be challenging people a lot in that. They're just there to get some information. But then recognizing that that their choice is up from that and make those clear and how you're describing them to your, your learners, how you're packaging, how you're presenting those learning offerings to say, look, this one really is more about you getting information, you know, sit there, take notes, do what you will with it. But this next one, we're going to be asking a little more from you because when you walk out of this, you're actually going to be able to do some things. And so we need to, we need you to actually engage and, and do some things during the learning experience. And this next one is the one that's going to, you know, help you make a leap in your career. And we're expecting a, a significant commitment to that. And I think if that's communicated well to learners, and again, you know, going back to this idea of there being a little bit of pride in that, you know, um, building the right messaging around it, that that could be very effective. Well, this makes me think of 
the value ramp that we like right. to use a lot of times. And, and so I'm thinking there's a potential sort of application of the value ramp where um, part of that greater value and therefore those higher price tag items, part of what represents that value is this desirable right. difficulty. And so those types of offerings would be further up on your value ramp, further to the right. right. You're, you're paying more for pain. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's, I think, CrossFit's business model right there. That's right. There. <laughs> exactly. There you go. CrossFit is a perfect example here. So. Okay. So those are two, you know, sort of big ideas there. You know, really educational campaigns around this to make sure that learners really understand it, that your subject matter experts and facilitators really understand what's at stake here and maybe building in, you know, some pride, some positioning around this as a positive thing. And then that that, that kind of pick and choose from inform, perform, transform, and, and just being intentional, being conscious about uh, how you're presenting the, the products across your value ramp in that way. So those are a couple ideas from us, but... I don't think we can end an episode on desirable difficulty without asking something of you, dear listener. And what we want to ask is that you think about this particular to learning businesses difficulty of desirable difficulties and think about what will you do with it? What are you doing with it? What would it make sense to do? So we hope you will pause, take time to do that, to think about it on your own with your team. And then we would love to hear, we'd love to, for you to share your ideas. That's right. Step up to that challenge and take pride in it and in embracing that desirable difficulty and yeah, figure out your solution and, and, and share it with us. Of the many discoveries that have come from learning science, the role of desirable difficulties in improving learning outcomes and retention has some of the most profound implications for learning businesses. Ignore the value of employing desirable difficulties and risk delivering ineffective learning. Embrace desirable difficulties and risk turning off your learners who are also your customers. Grappling with the difficulty of desirable difficulties and deciding on a stance would benefit every learning business. So we encourage you to carve out time on your own and with your team to understand the issue and think about the implications for how you serve your learners. At leadinglearning.com slash episode 398, you'll find show notes, a transcript, and options for subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't done that yet, please do subscribe so we can get some data about the impact of the podcast. And we'd be grateful if you take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, especially if you enjoy the show. We realize it's a little difficult, but Salisa and I personally appreciate reviews and ratings and sharing a comment provides you with a chance to think about what you value you about the podcast and what you get from listening. Please spread the word about leading learning. You can do that in a one-on-one -on -one note or conversation with a colleague, or you can do it through social media. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 398, you'll find links to connect with us on X, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.